0: It's your what's up? what's up?
1: Welcome, we are presenting another episode of CPS. Cruel public schooling. It is the middle ground between unrest and discipline. Between injustice and corruption and it lies between the pit of a student's fears and the summit of their knowledge uh, you. this is the dimension of education it is an area which we call the cruel public schooling a dimension that intends to scrutinize the CPS system through its core from a student's eyes
2: My name is Ash. Are you comfortable with the police in your school?
0: I'm not really comfortable with the police being in the school since, well, there's a lot of colored people in the school and and cops might have a racial bias against them.
3: No. Honestly, I don't know. I've never seen a cop and felt
0: safe, so I don't really get the idea of why we need them in school. Absolutely not. I think the police should be should not be a part of school. They should not be around students at all. I guess police aren't really put in place to like protect students or to help students in any way because the job of the police is not really to educate students or like help them learn from their mistakes. It's just to kind of deal with the issues in a like the easiest way which is to like lock students up in prison or like take them to jail which is like death sentence in itself you know we think police are there to protect us from school shooters or like other violent things but in reality they're like harming the students by not giving them an opportunity to like learn from mistakes or correct their behavior in a more helpful way how do you feel about the renewal of the school police officers program i feel like it's a bad decision for them right now during at this time since with all these With all the Black Lives Matter protests happening around, it doesn't seem like a good decision. I wasn't, I'm not a big fan of it. I've seen a lot of people
3: protesting, like I couldn't go, but I've seen a lot of people protesting and it kind of got me mad.
0: I think that the renewal of that program is kind of ignorant, kind of because, you know, a lot of students, a lot of teachers and a lot of parents have been speaking out about it. Going to protest against police and schools and stuff. Like the majority of the community is advocating for this, and yet the people in power are refusing to even listen or pay attention to us. So it's just kind of disappointing, really, to to see that happen. But I guess we should have expected it from because we don't like have the chance to elect people who can represent us accurately. And. The last question: How would you allocate
2: funding if it were up to you?
0: Right now, at this moment, I would focus on having schools more like lunches for like students that don't have anything to eat in the morning because like their parents are out working. I would focus on more on that, or also on uh, online schooling.
3: More nurses, librarians, updated textbooks, desks, uh, lower
0: class sizes, higher raise for teachers? I guess I can't really speak for the community. I feel like the community should vote on these things about where they feel more funding is needed or what resources are missing from their community. But definitely education is missing a lot of this funding. I think a lot of it should be returned to school for more supplies, more technology, computers, books, and resources to help students grow and become like more equipped to face society and to deal with problems and then the police wouldn't even be needed there to like deal with the problems that students are facing in school or just like kind of pass them up, you know? There would be less violence or kids would be able to solve their issues like in a more healthy manner, you know?
2: Hey guys, my name is Melissa and you just heard the intro slash also the vox pop of cruel public schooling so what is cruel public schooling so this is basically a segment where we talk about any issues that is involving cps that is either like any like i don't know curriculums or like whatever issues that is concerning either like a student the student body families or like either like you know teachers or the union perhaps we could say and basically the main purpose of this is like to bring any injustice that is happening so I don't know why right now but you know CPS has had a lot of polemics right now like too many problems and specifically what this show is more about or what this episode we could say is about CPD occupying themselves in CPS and what does that mean to a student like as you listen to the vox pop that happened earlier, you could tell the different perspectives of either like students who felt uncomfortable with C P D in their schools. So basically this is the whole thing around how I don't know how uncomfortable either C P D is and if is it really like necessary to have this SRO program. So basically what the SRO program let me explain to you. Last year Mayor Lori Lightfoot made a little, like, you know, plan or whatever. And she said that her little, like, I don't know, enforcement either to improve CPS was to make sure that CPD or, like, Chicago Police Department were kind of become security of the school, if you could say that. And their school resource officers, that is their, like, main title, official title. So with that, it means that basically that, you know... Who is roaming your hallways could be a police officer, and who could also be, when you're either in trouble or, like, facing, you, you you, might get the police involved with you. And it got renewed right now, and why is this, like, a very, something that is very problematic right now is because by a 4-3 to vote, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, like, handpicked, her handpicked board... Chose not to terminate a thirty three million contract with the Chicago Police Department. Overall, that budget around like replenishes either two hundred around two hundred schools and like seventy two schools for staff sergeants, and that's questionable. I don't know your personal opinions, but this is neither my personal opinions. I am a student from CPS. I am now going to be a senior, and personally, I don't really like having the SRO program. The problem being that, I don't know, the CPD is just overly funded, and I just think it's super unjust to have that environment in you. One thing is, like, school, it's just having cops in school, like, it sounds very militarizing, very oppressive, where, like, I I don't know if, like, others, but, like, understand you know but like as an adolescent a lot of kids do like a lot of questionable stuff or like they get in trouble that you know they still don't collect in their mind what they're doing wrong so just having actual authority there could get you in trouble i don't think that's like the best thing and that's also my problem with the no tolerance policy a lot of these schools have was like whatever you do you automatically kicked out of the school you know and i just think it's unfair because kids make mistakes i mean come on like I bet if you were, like, an adult, for sure, when you were a kid, you made a mistake. So, I just think it's super unjust because of that. And going on, also, just having, I don't know if you guys are aware, because, just go to- prison pipeline that's one of the worst things that could ever happen and it's extremely significant in Chicago i mean i mean cps makes like predominantly black and brown students Well, i also have a statistic for you you know that like black children in cps make up 30 pr- 36% of the cps students but also account for nearly 66% of like the police notifications over the last 6 years so being that you know it seems questionable to bring police like What is your thought of process to do? You know what? I will bring cops because clearly 66% of these kids. Like, this doesn't add up. Well, either way, just going on with that, it just creates a school-prison pipeline. Like, I think it's very obvious that with the no-tolerance policy a lot of schools have, that they will be automatically rip-around into a police officer, and it might be, like, some catastrophic thing that could potentially ruin a kid's life. And... Kids don't reach that maturity age. I mean, why would you punish a kid for being, like, kind of a kid? This is a learning lesson. And, like, personally, from my experience in schools, I see no purpose for the SRO program. Going on to that, like, we... Going with that money that should be going to, like, different stuff for funding or, like, reallocated, this is going for CPD. I just think it's unfair. Like, we... A lot of CPS schools don't have enough, like, school librarians. They don't have enough like, social workers. They don't have enough funding for either book. You know, any electronical devices that they might need or, you know, just any necessities in general. So, you know, that money could be clearly reallocated. And even if it's, like, even if you do put, like, the SRO program, it's so overly funded. I don't know, man. It just doesn't add up to me. So, that's basically it, you know. A lot of students get racially profiled by cops. And just having that in school is just even more weirder like for example my school is predominantly black and brown so I wouldn't say it's much of a difference but it's very militarizing like you feel afraid you know like having a cop around you it's because it's actual authority figures like I would much prefer if I was like having an issue or something I would much rather prefer to talk to a social worker talk, communicate with my principal about anything that I did wrong and how I would be like I don't know punished by that just going off with that and, yeah, I just don't understand why that's happening. But, you know, 43 vote, And just, like, including right now, as of recently, as of July 24th. Yeah, July 24th, of 2020. A lot of schools have already kicked out the SRO program from their schools. That being, I believe, Northside and also Benito Juarez. So, I would say this is a big step for a lot of schools who are already kind of deciding and letting the committee... A mayor lords handpick committee to vote on either having the sro program in schools and i do think that okay so the new plan is also giving the option to local councils to decide if they want cpd in their high schools around that area so that i could might agree that is a little bit like more it's giving the opportunity more for the community so yeah i mean i understand why that would be happening but i just believe in general that just having a fear tactic isn't the best thing to educate children on. Just, come on, like, they're children, come on. And it's just weird, you know, having cops around you. And also, like, again, just bringing up the school-to-prison pipeline. You're implementing that. You're enforcing that more. Once a kid becomes involved, for example, just having involved in... Just having to be involved with, like, either, like, a lot of police as Actual, like, serious stuff is very detrimental. It could also... Not inspire the kid, but just keep him in that same loophole of still just leading his life into something that it could have been actually fixed, and could have been talked through, could have been discussed, and could have been motivated into other things. For example, I would still believe if we got like $33 funding or whatever from the CPD, we could allocate it more to social workers. Again, more resources either being like actual books that are updated, actual electronical devices at work also pay our teachers more because honestly they deserve a lot our teachers do deserve a lot so i brought a little statistic up too that a lot of black students are suspended or expelled three times more frequently than white students and while black children make up 16 percent of like the overall enrolled in children that is like a nation uh, from 2011 2012 again they make up 16 and they're like three times more likely to be suspended expelled so that definitely says the problem that just having you know having like either the police force or just having cpd roaming your hallways is something that is very questionable just going off with that i know a lot of like my peers from school don't really like cops they have a bad relationship with cops it's just bringing that more and just again it's a fear tactic i don't think it's i don't think that what mayor Lori lightfoot thought that would work would work, so that is basically my point of view. Yeah, I just don't understand, but it's very interesting nonetheless. Like, if you personally don't believe in that, well, I agree, we agree to disagree. But nonetheless, of me like ranting, discussing, or whatever, let's go listen to an interview, interview with Sylvia Ines Gonzalez, who is an art teacher from K through A and also a very active person for her students and the politically active versus giving free spaces to students to explore either their artistic expressions and, you know, overall, like a very positive person to talk to. So nonetheless, let's get started and listen to her. My name is uh, Silvia Gonzalez,
3: and I am a fine arts visual arts teacher in CPS for K-8. through Outside of being an art teacher, I'm part of a collective called the Chicago Act Collective. And I also have my own studio practice that I maintain at Chicago Art Department. And I'm also the administrator of a group called POC Artist Space, which stands for People of Color Artist Space. And through that work within these different frameworks, my goal is to center the narratives of communities and to create work that is responsive to community needs and i actually see that work translating into my teaching practice right like i actually really enjoy talking to young people about hyperlocal artists that are doing artwork related to their communities and also inviting students to consider like well <laughs> what are the stories you want to share and how do you see these examples as like a starting point for you? Or are they starting points? Do you have like a different perspective to offer? So I feel like as an artist, my role has been to kind of be like a bridge in a lot of ways, like find ways to connect and build relationships. So for me, being an artist is almost like the art of building relationships, right? The art of building connections, the art of allowing stories to be given the space that they, that they need and that they deserve. I firmly believe that police do not provide safety, much less an S- uh, um, a school resource officer who is not trained in de-escalation or doesn't use the tools for de-escalation and restorative practices to approach young people. And we've seen a number of cases where Black students are disproportionately targeted in schools. So for me, I feel like the data is there. We don't need to continue to provide further investigations, which is what I hear a lot of politicians reply with when confronted with the violence that is is particularly happening in our city now. It's like, well, we'll, we're going to do a deep investigation of that. And it's like, you don't need to. The data that has been collected is enough the stories that our students are sharing is enough. And I kind of want to raise up this uh, thing. I attended a student-led discussion on like a Zoom type of thing, like a live event. Where young people were speaking on uh, CPD out of CPS, right, and a lot of the conversation was around that data, was around their own narratives and how they felt when they were walking in the hallways, and police officers instead, or security guards or SROs, instead of de-escalating a situation, would actually cause more harm, and the fear that that dispels in a school community where learning is supposed to be the highest tenant objective, and so. I don't think we can fairly expect students to be able to learn if students are not feeling safe That safety is compromised by the very people that are supposed to be providing that safety, which we know is not true. So one of the questions that I posed during that discussion, because they had like a comment section where you could also ask questions, I asked the young people present, I was like, well, can you talk about what makes you feel safe and how we as adults or people can continue to advocate for your vision of safety and use that as a framework for how we build towards that. And a lot of the response came from, well, I feel trauma and triggered when SROs escalate situations. I feel safe when I am able to talk to a counselor about what I'm going through and they don't compromise my safety by bringing in an SRO. I feel safe when I have a good relationship with my teachers and I'm able to talk to them about what I'm going through. I feel safe when My friends check in with me and we're able to have honest and transparent conversations about what we're going through on the day to day. And so that for me was like a really important, not that I like don't believe in it, but I think it was kind of like a moment where I was like, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like if young people are saying, I feel safe when teachers, and this is sort of where I felt responsible to the conversation, right? Where they they specifically said, I feel safe when teachers take the time to build a trusting relationship and- And I can come to them when I'm having a hard time or even when a teacher recognizes I'm not feeling good one day and they check in with me about it without reprimanding me or getting me in trouble about not participating. And so that's sort of where I as a teacher am sort of like realizing just how critical and important it is how we use our power to advocate for young people instead of create more harm, how we use this knowledge that young people are sharing around safety to be a little more responsible and how we provide that building and trusting relationship, how we build consistency in those relationships with our students. So from what I've been following in the news, the, the local school council or the LSC is uh the group that is now voting to keep or remove their SROs or police uh, presence in their schools. And we've had a few schools that have stepped up and have made the decision to remove SROs or police officers from their schools, which I think is huge. Um, It's not the end of the work. I think it's actually the beginning of the work. And while I applaud that momentum, I also want folks to continue to have conversations so that it's not just this like, well, we already voted and it's already done, but rather that it's more of like a, yeah, we voted and now it's done. What are the following steps? Like, how do we go from, and I think that it follows what what Black Lives Matter has been um, putting out too, is like, we're calling for the defunding of police and in turn, we are also calling for us to imagine what that looks like throughout its different stages, right? We're not going to abolish the police in a day, but we are going to work towards defunding them. So what does it look like as we make the progression to fully abolishing the police? And, and, and I think that part of that work also involves school communities taking on responsibility and figuring out, okay, if we've removed police officers and students are not feeling safe or teachers are not feeling safe, then what, how are we taking accountability to ensure that we are sort of rebuilding trust and rebuilding that safety in a new way, right? How do we reimagine now that police officers and SROs are no longer a presence in our school? How do we imagine providing safety? What are the measures? What are the steps? What do we do, right? Because I think that just voting police out is not the final step. I think it's one of the primary steps. For me, in my personal experiences, my first teaching job, and I'm not gonna say what school, and I'm not gonna say exactly who or when, but um, I will say that one of my first teaching jobs, I directly saw how the school to prison pipeline is embedded in the school system. And it was kind of like a shock to my nervous system, like very physically. I was going home and crying almost every day um, overseeing how adult bodies were exerting power over young people, young people who had been affecting by the housing crisis, young people who were sometimes homeless, young people who did not have access to to food, were living in food, deserts, young people who have experienced the violence of poverty and are now going to school and expected to, to business as usual, right? Like, come to school, behave and learn. And to me, it just seemed kind of like really out of mind. You have adults in a building, and I'm speaking directly about um, SROs, who would comp- further compromise the safety and the mental health and emotional wellness of young people by exerting their power. And back then, I, if I'm being completely honest, I felt like I didn't have the language to really advocate for young people. So I started attending uh, lectures and workshops uh, facilitated by Marianne um, who started Uh, the work called Project Mia and did a lot of conversations around restorative justice and peace circles and their work with the prison industrial complex and abolishing the prison industrial complex. And it was the first time where I as a person and as a teacher was able to study the data and see like, oh my God, like this is a real thing and it has a name to it. And now that I know the name to it, now that I know the resources, now that I know that young people are not should not be getting arrested in their schools, I can better advocate for for the young people that I work with. I saw how once I started speaking up and sort of taking up space against some of the SROs, whenever there was like a real situation where I needed de-escalation support, they would delay their support or they would not show up to my classroom at all. So I would have to figure out how to break up fights between eighth grade or seventh grade boys on my own. But I think that was a turning point for me in my career and how I approach and really truly believe in restorative justice, in the responsibility of a teacher to figure out how to de-escalate situations, the responsibility of an educator to create a space of compassion and trust and responsibility, that you're not the only one holding that, that young people are also very much a part of that process and respected as stakeholders in that process. I think that, I don't know if that kind of answers that question, but it was a very it was a very important moment for me in my in my practice as a teacher, particularly as a, as a Latina and as a woman of color. I mean, I think that that's a conversation that the Chicago Teachers Union has been facilitating, right? So, like, how do we create advocacy groups so that we can have direct say in local school council meetings and, and really bring to light why I believe this is this is necessary? Why we believe this is necessary work? I also think that sometimes, like, as much as I want to believe we should know this by now, um, we don't right? And I think that sometimes it's important to engage larger staff in these conversations, it's important to create to like find resources or work of people that are already have been engaging this for a really long time, um, and have compiled that data. So you can share that with other adults who unfortunately, in the way things play out, adults have a lot of safe power, because that's the LSE is run by adults. But I also think that There's something very powerful about young people speaking up and sharing their own concerns, because I think that's the place where at least my hope is that's the place where adults can learn to humbly take some feedback and truly listen to how young people are feeling. When I talk about these resources, I think I'm Mm -hmm. specifically referencing um, the cops out of CPS uh, website that was um, constructed to provide data and to immediately link people to having their voices heard on a local governmental level and, and sending a message to Lori Lightfoot saying, "Hey." I'm signing this petition to request that we remove CPD from CPS. Um, So I think that there are a number of ways to engage that, but I think sometimes it really does come down to having critical conversations with people who don't necessarily agree with that standpoint. Um, I did kind of want to pull up just this one fact that I I really want to bring to call, which is, and this is coming out from the Cops out of CPS report, that was published uh, June 22nd, 2020. I'm just gonna read it off of the page. Mayor Lightfoot pledged to add more social workers to Chicago schools. Under Lightfoot, CPS allocated just an additional $10 million to add social workers to the city's public schools. The CPS Board of Education approved a $33 million contract with CPD to keep police in schools, which was a $12 million increase over 2018-2019. With those 33 million allotted to 180 SROs, CPS could replace police in schools with at least 317 social workers, 314 school psychologists, and 322 nurses. So I bring up that fact to say that for me those numbers are really important and they're still not enough, right? They're still not enough. But the fact that $33 33 million is allocated to CPD for CPS. the will like it beyond beyond me when we already allocate forty percent of the city's budget to CPD, not to mention the amount of settlement cases that that um, have to be paid for in the millions. To, to cover up police brutality cases. So I do wanna make sure that some of those facts are brought into the light during this interview because I think that this is, this is about bringing those facts and understanding that CPD and SROs are within the same framework, and we can't forget that.
2: Hey guys, so I hope you guys liked that interview. It was, I think it was really good. I do like a lot of the points she said and just going on with that discussion. We already noted that, you know, a lot of even teachers disagree with having the SRO program in schools. And that definitely has to say something. If people are actually complaining, doing something to, like, express their belief and express, like, how how disappointed they are with that program and how clearly in one year it didn't really make anything any difference at all definitely has this like speak on levels and you know that money could clearly be reallocated to something that could actually benefit the children and actually keep them more motivated in school so yeah i do agree with a lot of points that she said and clearly she is a very inspirational teacher to many and you know she's more politically active and actually represents her youth so her students so that's cool And I think that is a wrap for everything. And again, my name is Melissa. This is our little segment called Cruel Public Schooling. I really hope you liked it.
1: This was another episode of CPS. Cruel Public Schooling. (laughs)